0: Welcome to Shedding Shackles Today's topic is Eating Properly And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo
1: Today I want to talk about food Christ said I have food to eat of which you know not. The disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, eat. He said, I have food to eat, but which you do not know. What was he talking about? Well, let's look at it from the other perspective food problems. How many people have food problems? Many, many people. And it seems to be getting worse. Now, what is it about food that causes a problem? If you look at animals, deer, rabbits, cats, and so on, squirrels, they eat, and it doesn't cause them any problem, unless you have a cat or a dog that is corrupted by what's given to him by his owners. But animals in the wild don't have any food problems. Yeah, they have a problem finding it sometimes. But they eat, and they're healthy. But when we eat, when humans eat, something happens. Well, let's talk about that, because it could be the key to understanding what's gone wrong in your life. Because you see that the very act of eating. See, eating ought to be just a natural thing. You know, if you have to walk across the room, then you just walk across the room. If you have to wash a dish, then you just wash it. If you have to wash your hands, you wash them. You see what I mean? If you have to put on your shoe, you put your shoe on. It's not a big deal. But somehow, we make a big deal over food, don't we? We celebrate with it. We secretly eat it. We eat the wrong food. Somehow, food is involved in sustaining what we have become, and we have to eat wrong food to remain what we have become. Because if you stopped eating the wrong food, see, If you stopped eating food in a wrong way, see, both of those, we we eat food in the wrong way, and that leads to eating food, the wrong food, because it supports what you have been remade as, not as you originally were, an innocent creature close to God, but as a recreated creature of culture and of anger and of separation from God, separation from Father. That's right, separation from Father. And how does that separation come about? Well, it happens in so many ways. But let's just talk about food again. See, if you could eat properly, in other words, if you ate without your ego being involved, if you could eat so that it didn't sustain your ego, and if you could eat so that you didn't use it to celebrate your fallen existence see you even you even have people that you know make a big feast at at a funeral they're celebrating death well all of culture is death oriented and you you see it when you get something like Nazi Germany then you see where where it where it leads to or under stalin you see what i mean or pol pot it's all death oriented and so we celebrate our fallen existence. We celebrate our prideful achievements. We celebrate when some group of strangers happens to win a football game. Yes, yeah, some strangers that get paid for running around on a field with little uniforms on. It's kind of a useless thing, really. But then we celebrate. It's an excuse to celebrate. It's an excuse to forget what? To forget what's really important. To forget God. To forget the sense of something being wrong, of our not living our true life. And so, when eaten wrongly, when eaten to deny, see, people drink to deny, they smoke to deny, they, they take drugs to deny, they eat to deny, see, deny what? Deny the truth about how they have fallen from what they could have been. And so, therefore, food is endowed with a, a quality that puts you to sleep, sleep to reality, or sleep to the truth. And so you are dulled and jaded and lost in food. Watch people eat. They become lost in their food. Sometimes their eating habits are not so good. Their eating habits are not good, and they don't have a proper decorum when they eat. Why? Because they're lost in it. They don't even know what they're doing. They're totally lost in it. Well, When you get lost in food, you lose yourself. And the world comes in and you become shaped as the world would shape you. And then you become a creature of culture instead of a creature of God. More about this important topic in just a moment. I'm a man with a microphone, so people ask, no, I don't have a church. I do not have a church. All that would do is cramp my style and. Besides, I want to set you free. I want to set you free. Not tie you down with more church, more doctrines, more obligations, more labels. People say, I'm a this or I'm a that, or I'm a that or I'm a this. All it does is divide you up from the commonality, the brotherhood and sisterhood of humankind. That's all it does. I don't need any labels. I'm just a person. And I open my mouth and I talk. And if what I say strikes a responsive chord, then that's... Good. Christ said, I have food, of which you know not. At another point, Christ said, I am bread from heaven, manna from heaven. Now, what's that all about? Well, you see, there's a certain assimilation process that takes place, doesn't it, when we eat. But when we, let's see if I can describe this to you. Uh, I'm going to try. And it's not an easy topic to talk about because it's so subtle. But if you could just flash upon it as I say it and see it, it could be the beginning of your awakening to your true life and a life of joy and purpose. See, the ego is hungry, isn't it? The ego is hungry. Hungry for praise, hungry for worship, hungry for acceptance. The ego is hungry. And... Hungry for distraction, hungry for excitement, entertainment, something to take us away from the truth. See, and so being hungry and voracious, the ego eats everything. And so the ego, see, there's a way of looking at something, and then there's another way of looking at something. See, women know when when a man is looking at them in that certain way with that hungry look, and he devours her with his eyes. He looks over every little aspect of her with his eyes. He assimilates. See, he take, when, when we study egotistically, we take, take it in. We try to memorize it and hold on to it because we want knowledge. Knowledge. Because we're told that with knowledge we can be great. We can be successful. We can have the good life and all that stuff through knowledge. So we eat knowledge. We greedily gobble knowledge. See, we may not want to, but that's what everybody else is doing, so we do it. And when there's a conversation in the room, we tune our ears very carefully to it, because we might be able to ingest some little tidbit of gossip, some little titillating piece of gossip to be excited by, you know, someone else's downfall, someone else's problem. It makes us feel good by comparison. And then we can use that little bit of knowledge to tell other people, to impress them with our cleverness and our knowledge. See? So we devour what we see, what we hear. And when we eat, the ego, see, eats. For what? For comfort. For comfort and for to, to be carried away with the food, to be lost in the food. But we eat for love. Yes, a lot of people... Food becomes a substitute, of a lower form, a substitute for love. See, what the love we really need is the love from God, the love from the Father. And it's very symbolic that a lot of people have a distance between them and their father. And that distance makes them hungry for love. Then they look for love in all the wrong places. See, they look for someone like their father without even realizing it. They end up marrying someone just like their father because... It was their father who they hated, their father who failed them, who wasn't there for them, or who, they, who, who rejected them. And so they hate. Hate feeds the ego. People feed on hate and feed on judgment, but then they're empty because it separates you from God's love. Then, then you eat food as a substitute. So when the ego eats food in that way, that food sustains it in its fallen, separated, loveless hateful condition that's right and so now you see why we have to learn to eat properly but you can't do it until you have a change of heart until you come back to God repentant find God within find his spirit and become still instead of ambitious and cry out as your soul silently cries out to God, then he answers, just like a mother answers her little baby's cry, God answers. See, but here's the thing, just hearing about religion, hearing about God, hearing about Jesus, is not enough. You have to experience him in your innermost being, and what's blocking you right now from experiencing Him is undoubtedly resentment, and being lost in your thoughts, lost in your daydreams, and lost in your worries and doubts and fears. And so you have to learn how to stand back from those, so you can get clear of them. Okay? It's like being under the ocean and coming up to the surface, and there's the blue sky and the puffy clouds, and you take a deep breath of fresh air. That's what you need to do to come out of those daydreams that become nightmares. Rise above them and then find reality, the blue sky and the puffy clouds and where the birds are singing. And that's why I've made a little meditation, too. I've made a little meditation that has been very, very helpful to some people. It's been very helpful to me. And I think it uh, could be just what what you need if you really and truly want to get better, okay, and find out the purpose for your existence and find out just where you've been going wrong, and what's been blocking you from finding all the good things that life can hold. And so how did you fall away from the love of God? Well, two ways. Number one, you resented, hated, most likely your father for failing you. In the eyes of a child, father represents God, and when he failed you, it was as if God had failed you. So you resent your earthly father, and then you also resent God. And then the other way we fall away from God is through seduction. Someone comes to take his place. Some person, maybe maybe mother. Mother was unloved. Mother was unloved herself. She resented her husband because he wasn't there for her. And so she Captured your love, and so you gravitated toward her and her love, and her food, and her her kind of earthy love. You see. Well, now you understand what food does. So, if you could learn to eat properly, and you can do so, when you return to your heavenly Father, and how do you do that? Well, like I said, you begin by letting go of your grudges against other people. They too were lost. They too were empty. They too had been separated, so forgive, okay? let go of your grudge, learn to meditate and sit still, and re-find a rapport with God in heaven and his son, and then life will be sweet, and then, lo and behold, you'll be able to eat properly, and your food problems will let go of you. Some of you are getting the 15-minute version. It's a half-hour program, so if yours is only 15 minutes, go to SheddingShackles.com where you can hear the whole 30-minute program.
0: Are you experiencing stress, anxiety, or unhappiness? Do you feel weighed down by the past? Stay tuned for a special message from Roland Trujillo, host of the Shedding Shackles radio program.
1: we're talking today about food, and how many people have food problems. Well, let's look at it from another way. Remember, I said that the ego is hungry, and the ego has a way of devouring and assimilating things. When you when the ego that wants to be prideful, when the ego, the fallen ego, listens, it listens for Something that will excite or that it can use to somehow impress people or, you know, do something. Or it looks for some piece of knowledge that it can use to become successful, to become great, to become glorious, to become admired. See? To be loved. And so the ego is always voraciously hungry and it listens in in a way that it hears. You've heard that people hear what they want to hear well the ego is always hungry and then it look and then also it talked remember in the bible it talks about the lusts of the eyes well that's true because the fallen ego is when it looks at something it looks at something covetously it studies and devours every little inch of what it's looking at to to try to extract something from it or to or to have the memory to carry around the memory of something exciting Something stimulating something naughty, something that offers a little promise of playtime or whatever you see what I mean, or the promise of uh, easy money or something, and so the ego is devouring everything with its eyes and its ears, and that's the way the ego eats it assimilates everything, the bad along with the good, and because the ego is alienated from the good and only bad sustains it now. Look at it this way. Why do people eat wrong food? And even if they eat the right food, it doesn't seem to do them a lot of good. And, you know, food has harmful things in it. And the body is supposed to be able to filter out the harmful things. But because of the ego's attitude of separation from God, and because it survives on what is bad. Now, let, let me, let, let's talk about that for just a moment. You see, what is truly good? What is truly good shames the ego, makes it feel embarrassed, and doesn't offer any naughty excitement. You know, like when you you meet a noble person, and they don't support your ego, and you try some little, you look so nice, and you try some little trick on them, it doesn't work. They just look at you, and you have egg on your face. See? So the ego, So what is truly good and what is truly noble? The ego shuns it. The ego shuns the truth. Because the truth would what? Humble it. Would make it aware aware of its own rottenness and its own sneakiness and its own deviousness and its own secret resentments and so on. It doesn't want that. It wants to feel good and glorious. So it thrives on false praise, which is a lie. So it can feel like a king or queen. And then it thrives on other people's wrong so he can judge and hate and condemn. See what I mean? And so a woman, when she becomes resentful toward her husband, for example, then she watches for every little thing that he does and sees wrong in it. She disapproves of everything he does and everything he eats and everything he wears and everything, and she just loves to judge his every little wrong. But that's how her ego survives on judgment, so it survives on wrong real wrong another person's real errors mistakes and wrongs or imagined wrong see when the ego can't find some true, truly wrong thing then it tries to find something it makes something up it fabricates something see have you ever noticed how it's how it's easy to to, to believe some some negative thing that's said about a good person there's but it's it's hard to believe that they're truly good. You see what I mean? So the ego thrives on wrong and on bad. And now do you see why the ego eats wrong food and bad food? Because it helps put it to sleep. It helps it to deny. And the wrong is is compatible with wrong and with bad. See how that works? So now do you see how how voracious and hungry the ego is? Now let's talk about the good side of being hung- hungry, the good side of which you know nothing or very little. Christ said, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, or hunger and thirst after the right way, or hunger and thirst after what is good and true and fair and just, you see? So, when your soul turns from your desire to judge other people and resent them and turns from its desire to be seen as good and glorious and stops looking for false, phony love from the world and turns toward its creator and cries out to the creator. Well, then you have a change of heart. And now you become a child of God and then you become dependent upon him and you're no longer dependent upon bad and you no no longer need wrong and bad. See, it changes the way you look at things. But now look at it this way. May I give you just a couple of quick, simple, very simple little examples of assimilating something good? Well, when you start to meditate properly and you begin to have a change of heart and do a 180 degree and become a child of God, then you begin to have realizations. Realizations, little insights, moments of aha eureka moments where you see and when you see or it's given to you to see and then you realize can you see how realizing is the word made flesh can you see how what is true how the truth comes alive in you as a realization the living spirit of truth makes you to realize and when you do It becomes part of your understanding. And then when you act upon that, when you act upon what is true and live according to what is true, then it becomes part of your flesh. And eventually you become totally transformed through realization and insight, and through responding, that's it, responding to the good. Then just as the fallen ego compulsively devours what is not good, and devours lies and loves lies, and assimilates lies, and revels in wallows in lies, and so on. You see, well, in the same way the, the soul that turns toward God now begins now assimilates what is true and what is good. And it becomes part of that person's being until eventually every atom, every molecule in their body has something of good in it. Are you with me? And so, now, let's talk about what you can do. Well, you need to find a way to become still. In the Bible it says, be still and know that I am God. In other words, be still and know that God is God and you're not. God. But more than that, be still and know God. To become acquainted with God and then intimate with God. That's right. And you do that by becoming still. See, as soon as long as you're moving around ambitiously, as long as you are excited by the outside, motivated by the outside, reactive to the outside, then you're just constantly reacting, reacting to the outside, you see what I mean? You need to become still so that you can respond to within, otherwise the outside out shouts, the the delicate promptings from within. So you must learn to become still and sit quietly and watch your thoughts parade by. And those thoughts, the source of those thoughts came in When you responded to temptation on the outside and then it came within you and it ended up on the inside because you fell away from god this is very important so let me let me talk about this a little bit more the spirit the unwholesome spirit from the outside gets in in that moment maybe long ago when you resented your dad, you thought he had rejected you, or when you hated him for liking your brother more than you, something like that, or some other kid said something and you hated them. In that moment, you were separated from the inner good, separated from your innocence, and then the outside got in. Now, what you must do is return to innocence, learn to sit still, and watch your thoughts parade by, the very thoughts that are now fabricated and come from that unwholesome nest that got in. Return to innocence again to your Heavenly Father by simply sitting still and being quiet and using a little meditation that I have. It's very simple and it's easy and it's free, okay? So, please do so. I think it could possibly do you a world of good. recommend that you get the little meditation that will teach you how to become still and get a little separation from those thoughts that now pull you into them and those emotions that pull you into them. When you stand back, you're free to realize. You're free to understand and you're free to be patient. And when you're lost in your Emotions and your thoughts. You're not free. You are compulsive. And you move with impatience or anger or resentment. Stand back, and you will discover a whole new way of living. And you will also discover something else. Not because I say so, but because that's the way it will be. You'll discover God's gracious forgiveness and his kindness, and life becomes sweet. Until next time, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. I'll see you then. Bye-bye.